0: Welcome to the American Cinematographer Podcast. Go behind the scenes with today's top filmmakers as they discuss the techniques they bring to the art of motion imaging.
1: This is Jim Hemphill, contributing writer for American Cinematographer Magazine, and I am pleased to welcome you to today's American Cinematographer Podcast. One of the standout films at last year's Cannes, Toronto, and New York Film Festivals was Miss Bala, an ambitious and disturbing look at the deadly drug wars that have exploded in Mexico since 2006. The movie takes an intimate approach to an epic subject, following one character's point of view to drive home the devastation that has affected an entire country. That character is Laura, a young girl who aspires to escape from poverty by becoming a beauty queen. When she witnesses a drug-related shootout, however, she's kidnapped by a local crime lord and pressed into service. The horrors she observes are unimaginable, and made all the more harrowing by the fact that there's no way to escape from them in a society where everyone she meets is in collusion with the drug cartels. Although Ms. Bala's director and co-writer is from Mexico and deeply rooted in the region in which the story takes place, he called on Budapest-based cinematographer Matias Erde, HSC, to serve as his director of photography. Erde's award-winning work is screened at festivals all over the world, including Venice, Berlin, and Sundance, but he's reached a career high point with his work on Miss Bala. Shooting in a highly subjective style that privileges his heroine's outsider perspective, Erde nevertheless manages to imply a much wider canvas in his widescreen depiction of a country on fire. Uh, Before we talk about Miss Bala, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your background. When did you first become interested in cinematography?
0: Uh, Well, it was a long time ago what really changed my life was when i was in high school and i was learning drama and we had our little theatrical shows and one day uh, several years ago a group of people visited the school and they were were looking for for an actor for a film and that was when pretty much i could say my life changed a little bit because i was actually chosen for this film as an actor which which was something that I never intended to do. But it gave me the chance to experience filmmaking very, very closely. I became very, very good friends with the cinematographer and um and, and basically that gave me the idea of, you know, realizing that this is something that I would wanna do for the rest of my life. And I was sixteen years old back then. And since then this is this is what I'm trying to trying to get it. So I, I would say that that was the moment.
1: And did you, uh, did you go to film school?
0: Yes. Uh, after that I applied to, there's only one uh, film school in Hungary and back then they were, uh, accepting only eight cinematography students, uh, every four years. So it was highly competitive to get in. And I was lucky enough to actually get in right after graduating from high school. And that was a five year program that, um, uh, basically started me. And then I graduated from the Hungarian Film School in 2000, and three years later I, I decided that I wanted to learn more. So I applied to ASI and, and got in and, uh, and basically spent two years there as well.
1: And uh, so how did you break into the world of features?
0: That was basically all I wanted Uh, you know, doing film school, I concentrated on narrative filmmaking. And and that was something that really gave me all the pleasures of creating something because I, I really enjoy theater. I really enjoy literature. I really enjoy, you know, music and everything. And that a good narrative film is something that would, you know, give you all these things at the same time. So that was something I I always wanted to do it, and I was lucky enough, you know, when I was 23 years old, I shot my first uh, feature film on 35mm, that was very, very, you know, at very young age, uh, I think. I made all the mistakes that can be made, I guess, but uh, it was an amazing opportunity that I'm, I'm, I'm still very grateful I had. And, and before that and since then, I that is what I would love to do as much as I can.
1: So how did uh, Ms. Bala come to you? It seems seems like a, a sort of unusual choice that they would, you know, since it's such a Mexican-centric story, one would expect that they would go to a Mexican cinematographer. But how did you become involved with that project? I did actually ask
0: uh, Gerardo, who, who was the director, like, how this happened, because you know it was completely out of the blue. I was in Hungary, Actually, I was uh, I was interviewed for a uh, European production, a uh, second unit DP, and I actually got the job. I was in Hungary, and one day I just got an email from uh, Pablo Cruz's uh, production company, which is uh, called Kanana. And at first I even thought that both one of my friends are, you know, having a joke on me, <laughs> because I, you know, I just received this email saying that this is a Mexican production company and you know we have a future project. Would you be interested in reading the script? And I replied immediately. I said, "Sure, I would love to." Whatever you know, and then I read it and and I loved it, really really loved it. And then Gerardo and I spent hours and hours on Skype talking about it. You know about his ideas and about my ideas and. And then they flew me over to Mexico City for two days, which was like a constant jet lag uh, roller coaster. But, you know, I had a chance to meet with the production company and the first A D And we talked about the basic stuff, like, you know, how to get there, the crew and all that. And, you know, what format we want to be shooting on, et cetera, et cetera. So we talked about uh, a few important things. And then I came back. We kept on talking uh, on Skype, and um the end, they flew me over for another few weeks of pre-production. I guess it was about four weeks of prep, if I remember correctly. And then we started production. So it was completely out of the blue. And as far as I understand, Gerardo, I think he did three or four features before Miss Bala mm-hmm. with the same DP. And what he told me and what I understood is that he really wanted to do... Something completely different. His prior films to Miss Bala were much more free-flowing, you know, lots of hand lots of improvisations from the actors, very free, very energetic, and for this film he really wanted something much more, uh, you know, much more precise in a yeah. way. And then he saw a few of my films in Cannes, Uh, A film I did called Delta, that I did with the great Hungarian director, Kornel Mundurczó, and also a short I did, which was titled Before Dawn, which was directed by a a very good friend of mine, Balint Kenyash. And Gerardus saw these two movies, you know, two separate years, or three separate years apart. And he really liked both of these films, and then he realized that both of these films were shot by the same person. So... I guess that was the moment he decided that he wanted to talk to me, so I Mm -hmm. got lucky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting you mentioned that he had done other movies that were a little bit more handheld and rougher and all that, because one of the things I loved about Miss Bala was the elegance of the visual style. Uh, I think with harsh subject matter like this, sometimes the tendency nowadays is to go handheld and shoot on video or with a sort of gritty, grainy look. But you go in the opposite direction and opt for lighting that's quite beautiful and very precise compositions and graceful camera moves. And I was wondering what kind of conversations you and the director had as you sort of arrived at, at that approach. Did you have any visual models for the movie? Did you talk about other films or photography or paintings or anything like that? Were there any sort of visual influences?
0: Herrado had a very very strong uh, visual approach for the film. He even storyboarded the whole film, which we revised completely. Like we went through every single setup in the film, again obviously with the with the knowledge of of the locations, and we completely changed these uh, these shots. But we actually stayed very very true to his initial ideas. So, you know, his intentions were there 100% and I could bring my own ideas and my own suggestions to the mix and we reached an understanding which, you know, ended up, you know, basically having a storyboard, which we pretty much shot. So it was very, very precisely planned. Uh, We did use some references, uh, some movies, but nothing like very specific. We did watch a few films together. But nothing like oh, we want to do something like this. But we were, you know, we went for moods, we went for approaches. The first thing he he told me is that he wants to have the camera experience whatever the the lead actress experiences in a way that is, you know, limited. You know, we we never want to show violence unless it's really hitting her in the face in a way. You know. We, we basically wanted to stay away from the obvious choices and, and we wanted to represent an experience rather than showing the images that are there already. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would say that the camera was a much more subjective, had a much more subjective approach.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting you bring up the violence because that was another thing that struck me about the film is it, it was a uh, very interesting the choices you guys would make in terms of the presentation of the violence because the content is very violent, but you don't always opt to show it directly. Sometimes you do, but there are key moments when the camera either pans away from the violence to show something else or focuses on characters who are hiding from the violence so that we hear it but don't see it. So was that all? were those decisions all purely motivated by trying to stay in the sort of subjective point of view of Laura?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, the camera is there with her all the time, experiencing whatever she's experiencing. That was the initial idea. Obviously, there are moments when this is not 100% true, but that is the initial idea, and we really wanted to stay true to that and experience her journey in a way that is very subjective. And, you know, it's not like we observe this. We are trying to experience everything with her as she's experiencing it.
1: You you mentioned that when you came to uh, meet with the production company, you had conversations about the format. And another thing about this movie is the widescreen compositions are really striking. And I'm curious uh, about what format you used. Were you shooting with anamorphic lenses?
0: Yeah, we decided on the anamorphics because, what again, what the idea was is, is to separate our lead character from her environment in a way that is, to not, you know, again, not to show whatever is not necessarily to show. Right. Uh, anamorphic gives you the very shallow depth of field, and that allowed us to hide everything that we, we don't want to show. So that was the first idea. We were also considering going 185 with the anamorphic lenses, hmm. uh, but at the end, we decided that uh, we actually loved uh, what the uh, 2.4 aspect ratio gave us so we went with that. But uh, the main reason we chose anamorphic is because of the shadow that's fulfilled. Mm-hmm.
1: What kind of camera package were you using and what, what kind of lenses?
0: We used the Orican LT because we had a lot of Steadicam, and that's a camera that I really love. And we used the Hoke V-series anamorphics from Vantage Film, which are you know fantastic lenses, and these lenses I'm very familiar with. I, I shot uh, Corner Munjutsu's other projects. Uh, the tender sun on, on these lenses and and I really love these lenses and I felt that, that these lenses would, would work perfectly for this story and actually I think they, they did very much so.
1: Did you, did you make a conscious decision not to rely heavily on close-ups because for the most part the camera maintains a certain distance from the actors it seemed to me. I was wondering what your philosophy was about that, if that was something that you guys discussed ahead of time to not get in too close.
0: I guess it comes down to coverage. What we decided very, very early on, and, and this was something we did in the prep uh, when we you know, basically created the shot structure of the film, is to create shots that are telling the story in themselves. So we were not going for coverage. We were trying to find shots, usually like moving masters, I would say that this is probably the best way to describe these shots, that are meaningful in, in their own. So you know, if you take a scene, we designed the camera movement, we designed the shot sizes, and the differences in the shot sizes in a way that this camera move will actually tell the point of the scene, and that was our approach. We came up with um, with a shot like this for every scene, and for some scenes we did a, another angle or a third angle or a fourth angle, but all of these shots were designed work with each other and also on their own to tell the story.
1: Well, there's some extremely elaborate long takes in the movie, uh, including a scene where the camera is inside a car that Laura is driving, where there's action happening inside the vehicle and outside the vehicle, and it's traveling a significant distance. What are the logistics like of choreographing something like that? I mean, Do you have the streets blocked off and populated with extras and prop cars, or are you having to deal with the real life that's going on around you?
0: No, I mean it was the specific scene. It was a hugely prepared scene. Gerardo and our first lady spent days and days and weeks and weeks on it. And obviously, at one point, whenever I could, I joined them. And obviously, we heavily, heavily relied on our stunt experts and all the stunt people we had. They were amazing and they did a fantastic job uh this was something that we really planned ahead like every element of this sequence was planned and tested beforehand and we spent almost the entire day rehearsing it and then at the end of the day we had a few hours to shoot it and we shot we shot we shot we shot and then finally we got it in one take the way we wanted it so we were really really happy because it did require a lot of things uh work simultaneously yeah
1: did you face any kind of resistance from local authorities where you were shooting, given that the movie is pretty critical of the police and the government?
0: Uh, I was not very involved in these sort of things, but our producer Pablo Cruz did an amazing job. I mean, we were shooting in Aguascalientes in the middle of Mexico, and we had amazing support. I mean, we could, we, you know, for example, for this scene, we used one of the most busy uh, traffic part of the city with, with, with several you know lanes going each direction and they completely blocked that for more than a day and they were completely supportive it was amazing to see how you know almost anything can be done It was a great experience in many ways
1: well i mean i'm assuming this was a completely new environment for you to be be working in how did you Moving back a little bit, talk some more about what kind of prep you did. How did you acclimate yourself to the Mexican landscapes and locations you'd be shooting in? How did you familiarize yourself with those locations? And what kind of what kind of prep did you do, both in terms of just the, the locations and the subject matter, and what kind of technical prep did you do? Did you do any kind of testing or, or anything?
0: Sure. I mean, shooting in another country is something that, I guess, every DP does. I mean, usually we never shoot in an environment that we are very familiar with. And that's the beauty of it, that we can actually take our sensibilities in a way and, and use them wherever we are. And this, this can, you know, if we are lucky, and, and sometimes it can create something very special because we can actually look at things with a fresh eye. Right. And I think Gerardo wanted this, that the, the reason he decided to work with me was partly influenced by the fact that I do have a fresh eye. You know, I was not raised in Mexico. I actually have never been to Mexico before shooting this film. And I, you know, my knowledge about the whole drug war was limited to whatever I could get in in the local, I mean, the international news I was following. But obviously We did spend a lot of time looking at references and he he showed me articles and we looked at a lot of newsreels and footage and photographs and all that covering all this. On the technical side, I did basically my usual uh, tests and I was amazingly, amazingly lucky with my crew. I had the most amazing crew in Mexico and every single person I was able to work with you know, including my camera crew and my lighting and grip crew were absolutely phenomenal. I I just had the most amazing time working with these people.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the lighting. There are a number of striking effects in the film, including a way you have of shooting some of the exteriors with backlight that often shines right into the lens. Was that an effect that was planned from the beginning, or were you responding in the moment to the, the kind of light you were discovering on your locations?
0: Uh, I guess both. I mean, what is good about doing rehearsals all day long is when you actually end up shooting, you actually have the most beautiful light. Mm. So for for these very complicated scenes, this is something that we actually were able to use. And obviously, I, I would say pretty much all of these sequences were planned according to the position of the sun. I mean, our fantastic first AD, she and I basically went through the whole shooting schedule and we planned our shots according to the time of the day. So I would say it went pretty much as planned.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the movie, aside from, you know, it's it's got this very elegant, beautiful look, but then the emotional content of it is very rough and raw. And, you know, you, you and your director and, you know, the other filmmakers, you were dealing with two lead actors who didn't actually have a whole lot of experience how do you see the cinematographer's role in terms of creating an environment for the performers to pull off their emotionally draining scenes? Is that something you think about, or do you just see it as the director's issue to deal with?
0: No. Actually, you know, just going back to your one of your first questions, you know, I did do some theater when I was a kid, you know, a teenager, and I did uh, have a part in this film. And I guess that gave me a really good insight, you know, what is it to be on the other side of the camera and i think about myself as be, being uh, one of the cinematographers who are very sensitive like i really really try to i do try to create an environment where they feel they are safe i always try to give them feedback obviously not interfering with the director's feedback but just a little bit of you know and not, i wouldn't even use the word encouragement but just a little you know, feedback when I feel what they're doing is great for the scene. Mm -hmm. Also, I I do think that I do have a great communication with actors. And uh, basically, my approach is to to explain to them what I am trying to do visually. And in my experience, these actors are very, very smart. So when I tell them that the idea is that, for example, in this shot, I want to have you silhouetted against this bright surface and then when I turn I want to have that light hitting the lens blah 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 they understand the idea and then they can really incorporate my ideas to their acting and also by them knowing you know the visual ideas they can use those ideas to have their own acting so it's an ongoing communication between the actors and myself and, and I truly believe that the more I share the more they can help they're not just helping you know the film they're also helping themselves so it's great for everyone so i'm a big believer of of this
1: well let's talk a little bit about uh post did you do a digital intermediate on the film or was it a photochemical finish
0: actually i uh, wasn't able to do the final color correction on this film i was unfortunately unavailable i was shooting another film by the time this brother reached post production schedule and they were really Crushed in time because they had to be uh, ready for Cannes. Mm-hmm. And at the exact same time period, I was already shooting another other project in Europe, so I was not available to finish the film, which is a shame, I know. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Was that nerve-wracking for you or were you uh, pretty happy with the way it came out?
0: It's very nerve-wracking, obviously. I mean, it's, cinematography is all about control, yeah. every element uh, of the image. and. By not being able to do the final touches, it's, uh, it is really scary. Oh, I mean, you know, thank God the results are fantastic, and I'm really, really happy with it. It's just, again, it's just something I would, I would really hope I would be able to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, now that Ms. Bala has been let out into the world to great acclaim, what are you working on now?
0: I'm actually, I was prepping a a film in the United States, a low-budget film that got pushed. So I'm waiting to hear back from production if and when we are going to be resuming production. And I have another few films uh, planned for next year. So I'm hoping I'll be busy.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with me about Miss Bala. Uh, This has been Jim Hempel and Matt Yasserde for American Cinematographer. Thank you very, very much. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
0: This has been the American Cinematographer Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more podcasts, blogs, and exclusive ASC content by logging onto theasc.com. This podcast has been brought to you by the American Society of Cinematographers, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the art and craft of cinematography.